This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us life and life in abundance. Thank you as these teams are going, Lord, that sure, increase our faith. Show us who you are. Reveal your glory that all the nations will know. The whole earth is full of his glory. Lord, we're not here to play church tonight. We are the church. We've just come to celebrate of what you've done in our lives this week. But Lord, fill this place with your glory. Fill this nation with your glory. Lord, there's so many negative, so many, so much fear. But thank you, Lord, that we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And Lord, tonight I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will stir in us like that angel stirred the waters at Bethesda, that you'll stir in us, Lord, a desire for your word and for your life and especially your word in our mouth. And we just want to ask, Lord, that you'll release it and speak it, your perfect will. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Great stuff. I'm going to talk about a people of great faith. Matthew 8, verse 5 to 10. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. He was not just paralyzed, but there was also demonic stuff. There was like stuff happening in his life. And this centurion comes and he says, I've got a problem. The problem is not a personal problem, but I'm actually stepping into a place for somebody else. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Wow, what a statement. I will come and heal him. I'll, I'll come to you. I'll heal him. <laughs> I'll take time off. I'll come. The centurion answered and said, Lord, Lord means master, owner, the one who is in control. He recognizes the lordship of Jesus. There's a lot of people that love Jesus for saving them and motivating them and making them feeling, feel good about themselves. We call it the motivational gospel. Jump up and down and say, you're such a good person. Just feel better about yourself. Just like, wow, you're the greatest ever. But it's not about the Lordship of Christ. And so this guy understood something and he had some principles that he understood. And therefore, this word Lord is already like a massive thing. <laughs> he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm not worthy. A lot of people today suffer with rejection and shame and stuff. And he, and he says, Lord, I, I, I recognize who you are, but whoa, I'm not worthy that you even come to visit me. You see, if, if we want to access great faith, there's, there's no way, because a lot of people say like faith, 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 and they have faith in faith, but we don't have faith in faith. Faith comes from a place of brokenness, of a reality of who you are before God. I'm not worthy, Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm just a broken person. I'm, why would you even spend the time to come to my house? Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled 
and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Here's a guy that's not a Jew. He doesn't understand the biblical stuff. He, he just, but he recognized something about who Jesus is, the person that he's coming to. He says, Lord, you're, you're Lord. And I'm not, I'm not worthy, but one thing I understand is I, I'm, a, I'm the centurion, so he was a Roman centurion, and he understood rank, he understood authority. He said, well, I've got people li living under me and working under me, and when I say go, they go. If I, if I just speak the command, then something is going to happen. Now, a lot of Christians today, they know the prayer of supplication, and that means the prayer of asking. So what we do is we come to the Lord, and we say, okay, Lord, just be with me. Lord, do this. Lord, help me in my studies. Lord, 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 make my life better, yeah? And so it's almost like a little bit of a slot machine. Do you know a slot machine is that like ching, 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 ching? I don't know if you've ever been in there. I, I haven't been. I've, I've just heard, okay? But I, I sometimes, you know, just walk when they at a place in Cape Town, just have walks through and I pray and I see just how desperate people get, you know? But some people use God as a slot machine. Lord, it's exam this week. I need to go to church. Help me, you know? And the amazing thing is God will help you every time. But there comes a place where you begin to partner with God. There's a, come, there's a place where you realize like, sure, I can, I can be in this realm of just asking and praying for my own needs and for what I want and where I want to go. And Lord, bless me, bless me. Lord, bless me, bless me. But he's a good father, so he's going to bless you every time that, that you ask him. It's amazing. That's just God's heart. But there's another group where, where God comes to those people and says, sure, I marvel at your faith. I, I want God to say that about me. Would you, would you also want to be in that, that club, okay? The marvelous great faith club, okay? Who's, who wants to be in that club? Where Jesus marvels of the faith. And he says, wow, I've seen something here. Firstly, your brokenness. Secondly, out of that brokenness, you recognize who Jesus is. But you also recognize that one word, one word released from heaven can change a nation, can change a person. So he doesn't come for himself. Because a lot of people use faith in faith or faith for selfish reasons. He doesn't, this guy doesn't come for himself. He comes for somebody that's in his house that is being tormented and it's a desperate situation. And he says, Lord, don't take the effort. Just speak the word. And so a lot of people intercede, and like I said, all they do is they pray prayers of asking, Lord, help me, Lord, be with me. And we shouldn't actually pray that because God is always with us, amen? He, is, he said, Lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So people say, oh, Lord, I'm not here, be with me, please be with me. But no, no, we should just consecrate ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Lord, that you've been here long before we came. And when I walk out that door, you're still there, and you're going with me. Wow. But then there comes a place where we can pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith is, firstly, only comes out of listening to God. You have to know what his word is. Prayer of faith is not a blind faith where you just like, oh, I assume. Because you can move in the sin of presumption. Do you know what presumption is? is I just assume the right to do something. And then I just like, Jesus is my buddy, you know. And we tiptoe through the tulips. Because Jesus is in love with me. Tell me, I'll do for you. You know, and you think, I just made that up. It's a beautiful song, eh, James? Why not nodding your head like intensely? 
Okay, I'm going to be in the worship band when I'm in heaven. Amen. Anyone else joining me? Now I'm practicing in the shower. Then I'll be singing there. Okay, but in any case, so <clears throat> don't interrupt me so much. So he says, do this, do that. And so the prayer of faith is that you've listened to what God says and you and I come into agreement as to what God has already said. And that's really prayer. That's intercession. It's to stand in the gap. To say, I'm going to be a messenger. I realize my brokenness. And all these teams that are going all across the world, you realize when you go, don't go with anything. Just go with Jesus and with his word. Ask him, Lord, what is your word for that nation? I remember the first time when we went to Nepal, which was a closed country, a Hindu country. There was no, the gospel was not allowed. We just went there. There was a massive war going on or sort of between the rural people and the kingdom and the king there and the lord said go and we just thought like this is crazy there's no way because you couldn't get into nepal because of the war and so the lord said buy the tickets go get on the plane and so the lord gave us a specific date it was crazy because everyone else said there's no way you are wasting your money. So we bought the tickets and we were waiting and we were praying. And the, the longer it gets, it feels like the Lord is late. The Lord has forgotten about us. You know, how many of you have ever been in such a situation? You pray and you pray and then you don't know what to pray anymore. You just say, oh, okay? You just think like, this is crazy. And so eventually, but the Lord gave us a specific date. The flights were booked. And we just said, that's it. Well, we rather... Be obedient and make a mistake, then sit at home and re wonder for the rest of our lives what's going to happen. So two weeks before we were supposed to go, a ceasefire was announced. And the ceasefire in Nepal started the day before we got there and ended the day after we left. So we went in. We marched around that palace of that king every day seven times around it's a massive palace that's why i've got such big kaita it's called nepal kaita okay they're all short and that's why i like to go to nepal because i'm very tall actually there <laughs> yeah why are you laughing like that Oops. okay but in any case so so we marched around that that palace and we just marched and we said god establish your kingdom i'll, I'll never forget that just marching around that's all we did Connected with some Christians, it was like really underground, persecuted. It was tough, but we just said, Lord, do it. Nine months later, the kingdom fell. The it opened up for the gospel. And today, 17 years later, Nepal has got the biggest revival in the world. And it's amazing to take out those little books and realize like this is actually, these are the prayers. The things that are happening now is the things God told us when we march around. There. Just a couple of students marching around the palace haven't got a clue. Sometimes God doesn't show us everything, otherwise we would have run. <laughs> would you agree? Yeah? But that obedience and that faith and praying the word of God, agreeing with what God has already said. And there's some of us here tonight. You, your life is going to change because you're going to start to agree with what God says over your life. Don't agree with your fears. Don't agree with the stuff that your parents maybe have told over you. Oh, you're never going to make it. Oh, you, you're not so 
bright, you know, so you're not going to really make your studies, or you're not this, or you're not that, you're never going to make, or you're going to not be a good mother. Those words, when we, when they're spoken, when we agree with those words, it will be destructive in your life. And that's why this Roman centurion understood something, and the Lord says, I marvel at his faith. I marvel, because never in Israel have I found somebody, this is a Israel is full of religious people. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're doing a lot of stuff out of the, the motions and just through tradition. But here is a man that is not religious at all, but he understands something about the lordship of Christ and agreeing. And he says, Lord, if you speak that word, it's going to happen. Wow. If you speak that word, it's going to happen. It is really going to happen. Amen. So the object of our faith is more important than the quantity of our faith. I always thought like, oh, no, do you know what? That guy, he's already got faith. And I'll never, never get to where he is, you know? That's that, that guy, you know? And so we're going, some of you know this story, but going to Umreina Bonka up in Nigeria one day. And so we have five guys with their team and it's really tense. And so driving there to their little guest house, at a, at, at a specific stage, we just stop the convoy in the middle of the road, just stop it. And when Reinhardt gets out, gets into the car at the back, they drive on. Three minutes later, the bullets come. It's the car where he was supposed to sit. But just because he was ready to stop. And we just drive on. The poor driver, I just thought like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a sacrifice we're willing to make. No, no, I didn't think that, but hallelujah, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy when, when you start to agree with the things of God, then not the devil can't take your life, nobody can take your life. But when you agree with the lies over your life, you become imprisoned to those lies because we start to believe. The things we fear, those are the things that begin to happen. Job. The Bible says that the things that Job feared the most, those were the things that happened to him. So Job opened up doors in his heart and in his life for all of those things to happen. Because the devil was looking for access into his heart, into his life. And Job started to fear those things, the destruction of his families. Because lots of people say, yo, yo, God just struck him with death. God is just like wanted to show him something. But the devil came in through the fear in his heart. And he feared everything that happened to him and eventually it happened. I'm not saying that to scare us, but the crazy thing is when we start to agree with what God agrees, whoa. So there's a story of this lady that comes to just bug this judge and just keeps on bugging him in Luke chapter 18. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back, what is he going to look for? He says, will he really find faith on the earth? You see, one of our biggest idols here in Stellenbosch is our comfort, our culture, the many choices we have. So I'm just adding the Lord to my life. But scripture is very clear. Anything not out of faith is sin. Don't come with tradition. Don't try to be a good person. Come with your brokenness. Like this Roman centurion, he said, just, I'm not even worthy that you come to me. I, I, I don't even know where to start. But you know, I'm a man of authority and I understand these things, but I'm not worthy. That, how should you come and visit me? And then Jesus says, wow. Because he realizes who God is and he realizes who he is. So will he find faith? Hebrews 11 verse 6 to 8 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Wow. Rain wasn't around, you know. But the Lord says, build this ark, build this ship, it's gonna, water is going to fall from the sky. Just imagine what everybody said about him. You are crazy, Noah. Crazy. Water from the sky. It didn't rain before Noah. And the Lord says, I'm going to send rain. By which he condemned the world and he became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out of place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. The father of faith, Abram. Noah, they just walked by faith. And so yeah, it says that when you come to God, faith pleases God. But it's not, it's not that you can stir up faith and now you go, faith, 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 faith. Not six, faith, 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 faith. Not four, faith, 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 you know. Faith, 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 I just must have more faith. Because it's not about faith, God has given you faith. It's like a treasure chest, it's already there. And when you partner, when you start to agree with God concerning the things he's spoken over your life, and the stuff he's told us about Stellenbosch, wow. So when I drive up Merriman, I speak over Simonsburg, and I speak over Indrach, and I speak over his Fisser, and I say, you shall submit to the word of the Lord. When I drive there through Narina on the other side, Narina and Eistenbos, I say, Narina, you'll be worshippers. You ask the Holy Spirit, but what God, what is your word for this course? What is your word for this town? What, what have you got to say? The politicians don't have the final say. The municipality doesn't have the, the university has got no say. God has the final say. <laughs> sure. When Stephen Lunga's wife died, they said, well, you can take her out. And he says, well, but God. Now, I've been with him, Angus, this week on the farm. So I am pumped up. I am ready just to say like, yeah, bring it on. Devil, you mean nothing. The only challenge is your biggest enemy is the thoughts and the stuff that you allow here. Is the fears. is limiting God. It's called the spirit of unbelief. And that's prevalent because the devil is going to leave people that are just worrying about themselves and living a nice life and living a nice Christian. But the moment when you step out and you say, God, like this centurion, I'm going to put out my faith for somebody else next to me that is suffering. I'm going to put out my faith there for Zimbabwe or Zambia. Because, Lord, I realize, like, you've given me something to speak and to release and to, maybe it's over your family. That you need to release the, the word of God. And like I said, it's not blind. It's not like we psych each other up and feel good about ourselves. It's what does God, what has God got to say? And that's why I'm Stephen, when the doctor came out and says, well, you know, sorry, your wife is dead. He says, God has got the final say. And Hinda, where's Hinda? At the back. Hinda, stand up. So Hinda prayed over the telephone for um Stephen's wife. And she resurrected from the dead. There's a witness. Praying over a telephone, how many kilometers away? So you shall live and not die. Now I can tell you many stories. There's an old Tani Helen, Tani Helen, Africa. Now I owe my life to Tani Helen because of this, I think it was the second time when we went to India, I got sick. But not sick like, sick like, sick, 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 okay? Like really sick. So in such a way that I was lying in this room in Mumbai 
and everything was beginning to swirl like this. And I told Yaku Prinsula, I said, look here, Yaku, just you take the team out, but I'm ready to commit my spirit into the hands of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever been so sick, but men, ooh, our pain threshold is very low. Okay? That's why you don't push babies into the world. Okay? Any mother here can just tell you like, Women, they're much tougher than the men. Sorry, men, you think you're macho because you have some muscles. Uh-uh, ladies are much tougher. You know, we have a cold and it feels like we're going to die, you know. We have a cold, we feel like it's Armageddon, nothing is going to happen, you know. We lie there, half paralyzed, you know. Sure. And then we just want sympathy. Now, ladies, just, 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 just give them some sympathy, huh? Uh, Dr. Lawson, uh -huh. Now, he's a doctor, but when, when, when he feels sick, it's like the end of the world, you know? But then his wife has got lots of faith. She just tells him, get up, move on, okay? She releases the word of the Lord over him. Amen, Lawson? Huh? No, 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 no. She speaks of a crossfit as well, but that, that thing will still leave. But in any case, so the crossfit the people here in the church. But so, so Tani Helen, don't interrupt me so much. Tani Helen, okay, so I'm there. The team has gone out, so yeah, I, I literally crawled to the toilet, okay? So I'm standing there now in Mumbai, everything is small, so the shower and the toilet, everything is together. So I pull myself up, and I think, okay, let me try and deposit something from the top. Streams of living water already running from the bottom all over, okay? Everything is just like, don't imagine too much, but I really feel sick, so... It's been two days. I've got nothing left to deposit. I've got, you know, it's got like going to the bank and standing in front of the teller and realize like nothing, you know. And, it, and it, you forgot your card. You forgot everything, you know. You, you just saw, I just hang there, you know. And then I just, I literally became semi-unconscious. I was lying there and um, no more cookie pop. I'm like a duck on. But in any case, so I'm, um, no, but I was, I like felt like I'm making the pap thick. Okay, but so the pronutes are thick, so. But that's how I felt, okay? So I felt half dead, so I'm lying there, and I say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna die now, take my life, all that stuff. And the next moment, it's the only time I've heard God speak audibly, three times. You shall live and not die. You shall live and not die. After the third time I heard God's voice, I stood up, I was healed instantly, like that, instantly. Wow. Nothing wrong, all my energy back, supernatural. I've, I've never experienced something like that. So a couple of weeks later, I come back, and Helen sat there at the back. She comes to me. She walks in, and I, I think like, well, okay, we're back. The Lord is good. She walks up to me. She says, uh, Pastor, uh, I don't want to bug you, but you know what? I, I just want to ask you the other day, nine o'clock the morning, uh, the Holy Spirit told me to cancel all my appointments for the morning, and normally I'd look after the grandchildren, but this morning I was, I was not supposed to because the Lord told me I must pray for you. So I said to my son, I can't look after the grandchildren, and so I went into the throne room of God. And I said, God, I don't know what, you, what I need to pray, but give me the words I must speak. And then she prayed in the spirit and she just kept on praying and she kept on praying after an hour. She prayed this word. You shall live and not die. You shall live and not die. 
you shall live and not die. She prayed it three times. She says, Pastor Sias, does those words mean anything to you? I gave her a hug. I wept all over her. I deposited more things. Tears. I said, Tanya Ellen, thank you for being obedient to God. It was exactly the same minute when she prayed and spoke those words that God spoke to me audibly in India, in Mumbai, in a hotel on the sixth floor. You shall live and not die. And that day I realized like, sure, God doesn't want our fancy prayers. He wants our prayers of faith. When we agree with what God has agreed. And that's why the most powerful prayers you can pray is the prayers of agreement. So prayer is about first listening to God and then speaking. But you know what we do when we come and pray? Oh, Lord, here's my list. Let me go through all the list, you know, and then da, 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 da. But pray the word of God. Speak the word of God. It's called the prayer of faith, where you begin to agree with what God has already said. Now, I can tell you hundreds of stories. One day we were driving up to Angola, and so now we're sitting there. We don't, the guy was supposed to do the right papers and all the stuff for the vehicles just like messed up. We rented another vehicle, and so we get to, uh, uh, Angola has got a lot of like regions, and for each one you need papers. So here we come to the first thing, we've crossed over, sitting there, and the people say, the police people stop us and say, sorry, you can't go any further. We're going to stop right here. And um, we thought, okay. So then we reversed back 300 meters, and we said, okay, Lord, you told us to come. We need to get through here. We drive back again. Same people come out. Say, hello, who are you? And they didn't recognize us the second time. Have you got Bibles for us? Oh, yeah. Okay. We gave them some Bibles and we just drove through without the papers. You get to the second stop. And now it's oh, Saturday afternoon. And the guy just says, no way. There's no way you're going to go through here. So eventually I end up sitting there and we all sit, sit there four hours on the paving there on the side on our way to Lebongo. So we're sitting there and we're moaning. Now I'm beginning to moan, Lord, you know what? You brought us here and now things are not working out the way we thought. And no, 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 no. When this thick lip was hanging down there, you know, you could literally scoop some ice cream with it as, 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 as it was dragged down there, you know. So, so I'm moaning. I moaned. For three hours. I can just imagine the Lord sitting there and thinking, oh, angels, give him another half an hour, you know. Um, let's, let's just wait, you know, because he's obviously in disagreement with what I told him. But just, just give him some more time. Uh, son, Mr. Spikes, let's turn it up a little bit, you know. So I'm sweating there next to the road, you know. I feel so, you know. So the Lord just turns up the spikes, you know. He says, okay, let, let, him, let him just like, let him just go through his moaning, you know, because I'm waiting for him to agree, you know. And so eventually I say, okay, Lord, I repent. Because I realize, Lord, there's no way we can do it. I'm sorry. We've, I don't know. Just, yup! That's the most amazing spiritual prayer you can ever pray in your life. Okay. So that's what I prayed. I just said, help, you know. The next moment the car stops right in front of me. The guy gets out. And he says, hey, um, can I help you? I'm, I'm passing on the way through to Namibia, but um, I'm, I'm like an officer. Seems like you're stuck. So, so I said, yes, we need some papers, you know, to get through this post. 
He says, okay, wonderful, let me go and speak. But it's now Saturday afternoon, 6 o'clock, you know. So he goes into this police station. He comes back. Now, now he come, comes back with a fax. Now, you don't know what a fax is. Okay, fax is like this little machine that spits out the paper, you know, like you would send the email, but the literal, the paper would come out at the bottom because you had to put it in on the one side and then it came out. That was a fax, a facsimile. Okay, that's the right word, okay? See, most of you don't know what a fax is. That's why you're frowning at me. So, so he comes with this fax and he says, um, is this the fax that you have been looking for? And I say, what? He says, no, it's, it's the minister of police from Lebongo that sent the fax and told us that we must let you through. Now, we don't even know the minister of police in Lebongo. So here he stands with the fax. I have this fax and I think like, wow, we're going to go through all these border posts and all that stuff supernaturally because of this fax. And so we drive off in this bus. And as we drive off, I realize like, wow, something is wrong because I realized that the, the electricity has been off for more than a day already in that little town. So that means that fax already arrived the previous day. So God knew about my problems and our problems the previous day already, and they sent it the previous day. But God was waiting for me to agree with what he said. And so a lot of us are stuck because we are in disagreement with God's word. A lot of us don't find that breakthrough because it's like a well, and this is the picture the Lord gave me. This well is like there's a lot of stuff, fears. People throw stuff into that well, and it just gets like stuck. But the Lord says, I want a fountain to come up. I want a fountain of life to spring up. Listen to this, what Paul writes to Timothy, because Timothy was feeling very oppressed, and there's a lot of people that spread rumors about him, and a lot of people that said, and this is now, now Paul writing, he says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. He says, God is sovereign, God is in charge. But this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith they've suffered shipwreck. Concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. There's a lot of people whose faith has suffered shipwreck. It's scattered goes on actually to say, well, there are two guys, and he mentions them, and he says, I've handed them over to the devil. So he says, God is sovereign, but Timothy, I charge you to agree with what God is saying. Because he's sovereign, he's waiting for you. We always say, like, God, I'm waiting for you. Come and bring the breakthrough. That's what the prosperity gospel says. No, God is really waiting for us. You just come in agreement with who God says you are. Hey, I'm no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because I am God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before and that I should walk in them. I'm his workmanship. Wow. My faith is the substance of those things that I've hoped for, the evidence of things that I've not seen. Because his perfect love will cast out every fear in my life. I've not received the spirit of fear, but that of love and of power and a sound mind. And therefore I stir up the gifts that is inside of me. That was given to me by the laying on of hands and by the 
release of God because, wow, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, everything I said now is scripture. I'm no longer a slave. And so the moment when you start to know the word, you can start to agree with the word. But you become your greatest enemy. I become my greatest enemy when I start to believe the lies and especially when I begin to speak the lies. This is what Paul writes. He says, there's prophecies, Timothy, that were spoken over you and all hell will break loose because the devil wants you to be intimidated. He wants you to walk in fear, but wage the warfare with the word of God over your life. There's some of you that say, oh, I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna be a good mother because look at the track record. You know, I've slept around. I've done all of that stuff. Whoa, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just repent, turn back to him, come to him. He's gonna cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I am righteous in Jesus. He accounted righteousness to me and therefore I'm justified and the just shall live by faith. Wow. See, suddenly when I start to agree, that's when faith kicks out. It's not because I feel good or I don't feel good. Too many Christians live by feeling. And so we have this tolerance gospel, you know? Everybody says like, oh, just be tolerant, just be tolerant. But love comes out of the fear of God. Tolerance comes out of the fear of man. The devil wants you to agree with the fear of man, with the fears in your life. But when you understand real love, it's connected with truth. Running away from the Lord, went to the UK and with his parents, but he just lost his faith. And I remember standing right here in front one evening. And as I was praying for this guy, the Lord reminded me of what I prayed 10 years ago in London, Willowbridge Street, number 10. That night, he woke me up in the middle of the night for me and another guy that was there. We traveled with him, Angus, through Europe and stuff. And the Lord gave us the same word and he spoke it over his life. And so standing right here on this T-junction right here, this little yellow line, I remember Fubus standing here and the Lord reminded me of that word. I say, this is the strangest feeling that I ever have, but... Fubus, can I ask you, have you lived in this street in London? And he looks at me. He says, that day the Lord gave me a prodigal word for you. And this and this is what was gonna happen in your life. And you know what, wow. Is it you? And he just started to pray. He said, I tried to run from the Lord. It was me. I said, I, I slept in your bed. And the Lord gave me words. <laughs> You're standing here, and then he came to salvation. He re recommitted himself right there on that T junction there <laughs> because there's prophecies spoken over him, and you need to wage the warfare with him. But see, some people have suf suffered shipwreck, their faith is like scattered because you think, like, Whoa, Lord, you've forgotten me, Lord. And all God wants is He wants you to come into agreement. Some of you need to dust off those promises. Some of you need just to stand before God and say, God, I'm not worthy that you visit me. I've messed up. I'm going, but the Lord never gives up. The Lord, is, if he says, uh, tells us to forgive 70 times, seven times, he'll never tell you something that he doesn't do himself. He says, I'm going to forgive you every time. Just come. Come. There's stuff I want to release over your life. But you have to walk away. And so these teams, as you're going into this mission field, most of the time you're going to feel so inadequate. You're going to feel so like, you know, and lots of people say like, isn't it better just to pray here and give the money there, you know? The mission budget is over 4 million rand. It's almost like the whole church's budget just goes into missions. 
And it's crazy because why? It's about the incarnation principle. It's about you going there to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, Lord, this is something the Lord told Reinhard Bunker many years ago and said to him, Reinhard, my word in my mouth is like my word in your mouth. My word in your mouth is like my word in my mouth, he said to him. Because the word of God is eternal. And when we, you and I begin to agree over South Africa what God says, when we say, Stellenbosch, your redemptive purpose, this university is to be a Christian university. I don't care what the rector says. I don't care what the liberals say. I don't care what. We agree with what God says. Amen. And we speak his word. Some of you need to do that over your business. Some of you need to say, Lord, what, what have you got to say about this issue? And once you've heard from him, don't speak before you've heard. Because then you move in presumption. You just think like, okay, God just wants to bless me. And that's what the prosperity gospel and the motivational gospel does wrong because it focuses just on yourself. But the real faith and the real prayer of faith is where it's not about you. It's not about your next breakthrough. It's about God. If he suffers, I suffer. If she suffers, I suffer. That's how the body works. And then I begin to say, okay, Lord, she needs a husband. I pray for her husband even when I'm so desperate for a husband. And that's why the Lord says, bless your enemies. We have the power to bless people. We have the power of that word of agreement. Matthew 18 says the most powerful. That's why marriage is so important. The only two institutions is marriage and the church, the local church. That's why you should belong to a local church and to a small group. Not because of your needs, but because of the power of agreement. God wants to do something through you that you can't do alone. When you come into agreement with somebody else, when you stand there in front of that Red Sea and it parts because you've come into agreement, it's the word symphony or synergy. It's like an orchestra playing together. I watched this video the other day of this massive orchestra and then the drummer gets up and the drummer thinks, it's my moment to shine. And he begins to play out of rhythm. And he just goes like crazy and everybody's like, What are you doing, you know? But when you find the rhythms of heaven, when you find the word of God spoken over your life, all hell can break loose. But when Jesus is in your boat, doesn't matter how big that storm is, if he stands up, peace be still. Then he turns to his disciples and says, but now, why have you got so little The one thing he challenged them by is their little faith. Not because they felt they had faith, but because he was in the boat with them. Just realize if we die, Jesus dies as well. But if you don't recognize Jesus, the object of your faith, there is no power. Because then you reflect faith on yourself. So, but... They have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Romans 10 verse 16, and say, Lord, where has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing. You need to hear from God and hearing by the word of God. Will you stand with me tonight? So as the band comes up. The Bible is under attack. Our faith in what we believe in in our nation is under attack. People want to change that. 
There's a tsunami of fear and of lies and of tolerance and of all this stuff. And the only thing that is happening is the Christians are becoming silent. They become discouraged. And the answer lies right, right here. James says it's the rudder of the ship. So it's not a blind faith to go and say tomorrow morning, oh, Lord, I speak over my studies that I'm going to pass everything and then you go to the beach. <laughs> yeah? Faith has got feet. <laughs> faith moves. <laughs> faith takes that step. Because I live by faith, not by sight. And there's some of us here tonight, we've, we've so started to focus on our circumstances. And you know, sometimes persecution does that as well. Sometimes we withdraw because we think like, sure, I just want people to love me more. But Angus told me a story this week. He said his brother-in-law like also played sport, like this with the horses and then you throw the ball and all of that. No, not Polo, the other one. Huh? Jim Corner. Is it Jim Corner? Horse throwing, polo, polo cross. Is that the word? Huh? What? The cross. Yeah, Jesus hanged on the cross. Oh, yes. Yeah, I can't hear you, but in any case, hallelujah. You're right, Gideon, you're right. And Esti is agreeing. But anything, that stuff that you throw the ball and they catch it and they go, it's crazy. So he said, this was a story, and it really challenged me. He said his brother-in-law was playing with him, and then after every game, all of them, himself, was the biggest drinker, some of his friends, went into the pub, and then they would cave. And then his brother-in-law would sit outside on the table, ordering his Coke, and he said, every time they got there, when they finished the game, they, he said to his brother-in-law, just come, come in, come in, come and just drink a beer with me. And he wanted everything inside of him, wanted him to come inside. And they would just walk in and be with the boys. But everything inside of him wanted him to stay in that room, stay outside. He said he hated himself for what he was doing. And the reason why he was testing and why he was going against him and why he was saying bad stuff about him and, oh, yeah, you're a religious freak and, oh, you're a fundamentalist and you're a radical Christian is because he's so bad or he hated himself but he wanted to be so bad like his brother-in-law. See, Christian, when you start to compromise and you become like the world, devil is tempting us just to be tolerant I'm not saying be radical and jump up and down on the street and tell people turn or burn or anything like that but out of the prayer closet out of that moments with God when you walk out there you realize I've been with God and now I'm representing him to the people and this is what this person understood so intensely he says when I tell my people to go 
they go. And I tell my people to come. They come. They obey orders. Coming and going. Once you've been with God, and you start to agree with God concerning what he says, wow, first over your life, but then over your family. If there's enough people, a couple of hundred people here in here tonight, I want to challenge you. Start agreeing with what God says over Stellenbosch. When you walk through the university, say, God, I see all this liberal stuff. Lord, everyone wants to make this a secular university. Every ism is going, everything. People are rejecting you so much, but God, I'm going to agree. I'm with my brother and my sister, and we're going to speak the same thing. Say, God, we want to obey. It's not a cheap thing of jumping up and down when we feel good about ourselves. Genuine repentance. Stellenbosch University is a perfect book of that. You speak it. What about teens? What is God saying to you? What is God saying over your residence? Are you just going to let go and say, well, this place can never be saved. God is waiting for you. Come and press. Let the power lies on these two. I can see more than two people standing in front of me. But see, the devil doesn't want you to agree. That's why once you get offended and divided and do your own thing, that's why many of you don't want to commit to small groups because, hey, but you'll never have the joy of real power of God released through your life until you've come to agreement with another Christian over your purpose as God's purpose. And it starts here. That's why we do small groups. That's why, you know, when you go over the holidays, stream in on the services and say, God, I don't want to miss out what you're saying. I want to agree. Because we're not doing an event here tonight. We're agreeing with what God says. And when these teams go out, you just say, God, we've got nothing but your word. Lord, we're not worthy, but your word. You speak your word. I want to speak. I want to speak. Timothy, wage the warfare with the prophecies that were spoken over you. Timothy, wage the warfare. Don't let go. And I'm not talking about performance. I'm just talking about listening to God first and then agreeing with what he says. There's some of you that need to come and stand in the gap for your family. Some of you that just need to say, Lord, sure, my faith has gone shipwrecked. I, I can't even believe you for just myself, just my waking up, Lord. I've lost just the desire to have quiet time. Just be real with him. Be real with him like this man. Like this man. When you're real with God, when you acknowledge who he is, he's Lord of our lives. Lord, you just speak your word. That's all you am. It's not about fancy prayers. It's not about trying to show other people that I'm better than them. And Lord, it's not about a competition with the church around the corner. It's about agreeing with him. And once I come into agreement, that's why you have to pray for the marriages in church. And you have to start praying for your marriage. Because the devil wants to bring division and divorce. Because he doesn't want you to face the truth. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.